For those who don't know who I am, my name is John Rauch. I'm the uh, kids pastor here at Grace, and I'm stepping in today for Jim uh, to uh, close up uh, our series here called Unfinished. That's our theme for this year, 2014, and, and I'm excited to be with you guys. A few years ago, Tara and I were sitting in the same seats that uh, many of you guys are sitting in here in the main or in the link, and, and we, as we were sitting here, we had been reading some books that God had put on our hearts, and and uh, they were challenging us that God wanted to do something different in our family and in our lives. And we actually began to think about adopting a child. And um, as we kind of were going down that path, we were feeling God sort of stir this within us and, and moving us that, uh, that we should take these steps. And, and so it was the beginning of the year, and we were setting out our family goals like we typically do at the beginning of the year. And we decided if we were going to be really serious about this, that we needed to take some action steps that particular year um, towards pursuing that. And so we began to kind of lay out some of those goals and our family goals. And, and so we started taking out families, you know, kind of getting together with families from our church here after church or, or some other time. We were kind of interviewing them, really, and sort of hearing their stories, if they had adopted and kind of how God had led them and why and, and where and, and how it all happened. And, and we were kind of listening for where God might be, be drawing us into a part of that story as well and trying to figure out how he might be leading us. And over the last few years, God has been leading us as we've sort of explored this, this thing of adoption. And, and uh, we were at one point in a program, we were going to adopt a child from another country. And then we heard about a need right here in Indiana. There's an agency in Indiana or in Indianapolis that was needing families. And so we, we, we switched and we kind of went through our classes and all of the stuff we had to do. And, and for the last year or so, we've just sort of been waiting for God to, to bring us uh, this child that we feel he has meant for us to be a part of our family. And... Um, and uh, we, were, uh, we, we had been matched in the fall in October to a child that we thought we were going to adopt. And then it didn't happen. It fell through, and man, that was really tough. And then the same thing happened at Christmas time in December. We got matched to a child, and, and then that fell through again. And oh, my goodness, honestly, in December, we were feeling pretty low. And right around Christmas time was sort of the lowest point for us. Tara and I were just feeling sort of like, God, are you still in this? And what's happening? And, and uh, is this what you want for us? We feel like we're obeying you and following you down this path, and it's just not working out. And and a lot of you guys have been at points like that in your lives where you feel like you're doing what God wants and you're just not, it's not seeing it come through. And, and so uh, the last time that I spoke to you guys was in the beginning of January. <clears throat> On January the 5th, I challenged you with a message to give God control of every area of your life. And we took a look at uh, the life of a guy named Esau. And maybe you remember that he traded away God's future, God's best for him for what he could have right then. And, and I said something like this, you have no idea what God might want to do through you to change our world. Maybe you remember that. I hope you do, at least a little bit. You have no idea what God might want to do through you to change our world. And that Sunday that I was preaching that, I was really preaching that to me. I was the one who sort of needed to hear that because, because I was feeling, frankly, really devastated. And, and I wasn't sure what God had wanted to do in me to, to change our world. And, and God used that message to encourage me because I didn't want to be that guy that sort of, you know, followed God and then at the very last second before God was going to come through, kind of just step away from what he wanted. And, and I didn't want to be that guy. And so, you know, I was encouraged that weekend and that the very next Sunday, January the 12th, we were getting ready for church. It was early in the morning. Tara was uh, getting ready because she was going to be singing that morning on the worship team. And so she was getting ready in the bathroom, and I had already been ready and was praying and kind of looking through my notes for the day, what I had to do here at Grace, and making sure that I was going to be prepared to lead well. And uh, she comes out. She says, John, we just got a call from her agency. We got to go to the hospital right now. 
And so uh, six weeks ago today, we went to the hospital. We've, we called up some people here at Grace that I kind of had to cover myself to make sure that stuff was going to be taken care of here. And, uh, and we, uh, we, we called our friends, Rick and Shayla Yoder, and, and, and they're in our small group. And we dropped our kids off there at their house, uh, and we headed to the hospital. And that was where we got to meet our new daughter. And uh, I think I have a picture right here of Tara and I in the hospital with, uh, with Emery. Uh, there she is, our new little girl, Emery Joy, and she's six weeks old today. Of course, she, she, our kids love her. Our other kids um, just love her, and I have a picture of our whole family. You can see here she is with the rest of our kids, and we're just thrilled to be, be a part of her life and loving her. And here she is. She, it's hard to believe she's been with us now for, for six weeks already, and uh, she is just a joy. Her, uh, her middle name is Joy, Emery Joy, and we are just loving her. And, and it all began right here in these chairs as God began to stir something in our hearts that he wanted to do something different in our lives and in our family's life. And at that moment and then several moments along the way, we had opportunities to either go forward or turn back. And I'm so glad that we didn't turn back. And today as we sort of sit here at the end of our series for this theme, Unfinished, here in 2014, Over the last several weeks, as Jim has unpacked some great messages from God's word, I know that God has been stirring in lots of people's hearts in different areas where you want to be different. A lot of people signed these boards up here and said, this time next year, 2015, I want to be in a different place than I am today. I want to be in a different place in the area of my finances. I want to be in a different place in my significant relationships and my relationship with my wife or my husband. I want to be a different place in a relationship with my kids or maybe my job or wherever God is moving. Or I think God has given me a vision for this brand new area of my life and this adventure that I'm supposed to go on and, and, and trust him and follow him. And, and you guys have made these commitments over the last couple of weeks. And, and we want to wrap up today by, by talking about what do you do right now? Because week after week, we sort of walk out of here, here at Grace Community Church, and we have great intentions, great intentions of doing great things for God. But here's what I know about great intentions. Great intentions don't bring about change. Great intentions don't bring about change. No matter how awesome your intentions are when you walk out of here Sunday after Sunday, that doesn't change anything. We want to talk today about What will you actually do? See, all of us are on a journey, and we all have great intentions to get to a wonderful place. When you walk out of here on a Sunday, when you walk away from from your time with God, you want to do your best for Him. You want to be the best you can be for God. You want to live the life that He wants you to live, and and, and you want to have a great life. Be where God wants you to be. But those great intentions don't always follow through. All of us are, are on a path. We all want to get to a wonderful place here's the thing I know about paths and roads. Every different road has a different destination. Every different path that I take will lead me to a different place. That's what I know about roads. And and what's true about life is, is also, I'm sorry, what's also true in geography is also true in life. Just like the physical paths that we take lead us to a predictable destination, there are specific paths that we take in life but also lead us to predictable destinations. If God is moving in your heart in the areas of financial change and getting a hold of your finances and and living the way God wants you to, listen, there are specific financial decisions that you can make that will lead you to a specific financial destination. 
If God is getting a hold of you in the area of physical health and you're saying this year is the year I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to be in the best shape of my life by the end of this year. Listen, there are specific dietary and exercise paths that you can take this year that will lead to specific physical destinations that you want to be. The farmers here in Elkhart County have figured it out. Right down the road, we have uh, Kircher's Orchard. And, and somewhere along the way, they figured out that when you plant apple seeds, you get apple trees. Right? Now, I'm a city boy. I know nothing about gardening. You would laugh at the attempts that Tara and I have made over the last couple of years to try to join the gardening world. And uh, we have horribly failed. But I do know that when you plant a watermelon seed, watermelons are going to come. You hope. If anything grows, I should say, it will be a watermelon. Every road that we take has a destination. Just like every seed you plant sort of has a predictable end result. You pick the roads that you're going to travel on, the choices that you're going to make with your life, and most likely someone else can pick the destinations that you'll end up at. Isn't that true? Despite your best intentions that you may have after last Sunday to, to have a wonderful, fulfilling marriage, if you don't take certain steps, your marriage will have a predictable destination, despite your best intentions. If you neglect sound financial wisdom, wisdom, the outcome is predictable. See, when I end up in a place in my life where I don't really want to be, I'm tempted, maybe you are too, I'm tempted to ask, how did I get here? What, what is going on in my life? How did I get to this place? And if I'm honest, and if you're honest, when we look back at our lives, we can see step by step the decisions that we made that formed the path that led to where we are right now. We didn't get to where we are by accident. We are where we are in most cases, and there are exceptions, but your life probably isn't the exception, so don't just say that. Where we are today is because of choices that we have made along the way that has led us to predictable outcomes you see, each decision that we make is a step in a particular direction. Each decision that you make is a step in a direction, okay? And then each direction that you take will lead to a predictable destination. Try to keep it simple. We've got a couple of these today. The decisions that you make will put you in a direction. The direction that you take will lead you to a destination in your life. That's just true. No matter if we don't want to believe it's true, no matter if we don't want to act like it's not true, I'm just sorry it is. The Bible says we will reap, right, what we sow. That is a truth that we can't get around. And so what it comes down to is, are you willing to pick the right paths that God has for you so that you will get to the destination that you and God desire for your life? And that comes back to the individual decisions that you make each day that puts you on a path. Today, we want to wrap up this series by helping you to think through the steps that will be necessary for you to take to get where God might want you to go. 
Today we're going to talk about how do we turn this passion that we have into action. I don't want to be the same spot that I am now in 2015. When we get to February, end of February 2015, I want to be in a different spot than I am today. So I, what I want for myself is that over the next week for you guys, for myself, is that God would give us a plan, a fresh plan, a vision, a direction that will lead us where he wants us to be. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you need a Bible, we would love for you to have one. So you raise your hand. We have ushers that will literally just give you one right now. We want you to follow along today. Seriously, just grab it. It's no big deal. Matthew chapter 7. It's the very first book in the New Testament. If you look at the beginning of your Bible, you'll find a table of contents. You can find Matthew. And then just look for the big number 7. Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to be today. Now, here in these chapters of Matthew 5, 6, 7, 8, is Jesus' famous sermon series, one of his most famous sermon series. Just like we are coming out of a, a great sermon series, Unfinished, where God has kind of been stirring things in our hearts, maybe changes that he wants to make. He's been surfacing things that he wants to do inside of us or in our families. Jesus' disciples had listened to a pretty awesome sermon series, too, because it came from Jesus. And we call it the Sermon on the Mount, which isn't a great, a great description for it. Because the Sermon on the Mount, that simply describes where he was when he gave it. That would be like us naming this sermon series, Jim's Sermons from the Stage. Okay, That doesn't really describe anything. And then the next sermon series, once we finish this one, we're going to call it More Sermons from Jim on the Stage. Okay, That doesn't really tell us anything, neither does Sermon on the Mount. But what Jesus was doing in, in Matthew 5, 6, 7, 8, he was laying out the kind of lives that a person who was following him would live. These are the kind of character traits you're going to see in this person's life. If you want to follow me, this is the kind of person you're going to be. That's what Jesus was doing here. It's kind of his basic principles for changing the world. His basic principles for, for breaking culture and creating a world movement that would inspire that's what Jesus was laying down here. And at the end of this sermon series that he gives, he comes down at the end of chapter 7, and he wants to tell one more story, one parable, which is a story that has truth behind it. And the reason was that he could sort of picture all of his followers there sitting there saying to themselves, wow, that was an awesome message. That was powerful. And they walk out of there, slap each other some high fives, Maybe like we're tempted to do some Sundays. That was an awesome Sunday. Man, that worship was great today. Man, that message was great today. And Jesus is saying, wait a second. Listen, it wasn't about this awesome series. It comes down to your life. And so he's sitting there picturing them saying, what now what do we do, Jesus? And so he tells them this story. So hopefully you found it by now. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to read it together, okay? Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 24 to 27 together. This parable that Jesus gives the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. Verse 24 is where we'll start. Here we go. One, two, three. Ready? Read. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You can have a seat. Thanks for reading with me. 
Jesus was a master teacher. He would tell stories that would relate to people's normal lives, but yet had deep truth behind them. And that's a story that not only related to the people there today, but it still relates to us as well. We all understand the importance of building on the right foundation. Am I right? And just ask the owners of the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green, Ohio, how important it is, the foundation that you build on, right? Some of you guys that are car lovers probably shed a tear this week as you saw those eight Corvettes go down into the sinkhole, right? Much like uh, Pastor Jim does when he watches those romantic comedies with his wife that he was talking about last week. He, he, he tries to doubt, tell you he doesn't love them, but he's there with a box of tissues himself. We all understand the importance of laying a foundation, all right? We understand how important that is when we're building a home, when we're building a property. And Jesus told this story because it related to the people there. Now, when we look at these builders, the two builders that Jesus sort of contrasts here or compares, they're not very different at all. We're tempted to think that they're very, very different, but they're really not. Look at all the comparisons, or I'm sorry, all the similarities that they had. Think about these things. Number one, they both had a desire to build a great house. They both, that's a good thing. They both had that desire. Two, they, they both built houses that looked pretty good and sturdy, right? Where, where the, the, the foolish man had a house and it was built. And so we assume it was built well and built, you know, sturdy and looked good from the outside. Both knew how to build the house. They both do that and they both did that. Both knew what they should do to build a home. Um, both had heard the teachings of Jesus, right? This is what the people are like, the foolish and the wise people. Are, are, they both hear the words and the teaching of Jesus, and they both faced the same storms, right? When, when they're described, verse 24, I'm sorry, 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, is the very same thing that it says in verse 27 of the foolish man's house. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And so they faced the same storms, the same struggles. It, it, it was all the same. And the similar, similarities between these two builders are also similarities amongst us as well, right? I, again, I said earlier, I think we all walk out of here with a desire to build a good life. We want to do right. We want to have an effective, powerful life that makes a difference. We want those things. I think we walk out of here, I think we usually know what to do. Just like they both knew how to build a house, and knew the right things to do. We typically know the right stuff. At least for me, if I'm being honest, I usually don't make wrong choices because I don't know what to do. I usually just make wrong choices, but I know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe that's true for you as well. So I think we're similar there. And I think all of us hear the same words, the same teachings of Jesus. We read the same Bible. We listen to the same sermons. So yeah, we're there. And we face similar storms. Listen, every person is going to face storms in their lives, right? One of the things that we're tempted to believe is, is that we're the only ones, that we're the exception, that, that, that people don't understand what I face in my life, and it's unlike anybody else's. And No, the builders face the same storms, and we do as well. And so there are so many similarities between these two builders and us, in fact. The only thing that is different, the only thing the wise builder did that was different from the foolish builder is where he built his foundation. That's the only thing, is where he built his foundation, right? He built it on a rock. 
Now, let's take a look to see what he did in his life to make him successful. Because remember, every decision that you and I make is a step in a particular direction. And every direction that we take will lead us to an eventual destination. The first thing the wise builder does is he determines the right plan. A wise builder determines the right plan. And maybe that sounds simple, but a lot of us simply have to go back okay, to the very beginning and figure out what is the right plan for our lives. God wants you to do great things. God's put some goals in your life. You gotta figure out the right plan. The first thing the builder does is he, he, he does his research. So he comes up with the right plan. Now, in the summers of Palestine, where the story was told, where Jesus lived, there were incredible, um, um, uh, incredible like large rivers that were totally dried up in the summertime. The, the summer heat came and dried them up, and they were just these perfect sandy beds, you know, flattened because of the river that came. Not many rocks there, very easy to prepare to build on. And, and so it was a very tempting place to build a house. And so the wise builder does his research, though. He knows that that's the case. The foolish builder either doesn't do or is not willing to do the research and doesn't know that, and he builds his house right there. And what the wise builder knew was that come September, when the rainy season would come to Palestine, those riverbeds would fill up and wash away anything that had been built there, raging torrents because of the rains that would come. Some of us felt like that this week. I felt like that driving along 33 yesterday there between County Road 40 and 42. You guys who drove there know what I'm talking about. Man, it's like a river across the road. Building on the sand is very tempting. And for a lot of reasons, it's easier than doing the hard work, right? It's easier. And um, we can pursue happiness right now instead of, and without a view of what might come down the road. And that's what the, the foolish builder did. And that's not what the wise builder did. His goal was to build a nice home that would stand the test of time. And so he determined the right plan, where he wanted to be. Their paths ended in a very different place. Oftentimes we're tempted to take shortcuts in our lives. We see an alternate route than the one that we, that we know God wants us to take, but we think this will be easier or this won't be as difficult or won't take as long. And we just kind of go for it and we end up with a great crash like that foolish builder did. So the first thing that we need to do when God is moving in our lives, which I believe he's done the last couple of weeks and lots of your lives from, from talking with you, the first thing we have to do is kind of determine what our end goal is. Right? Where is it that God has been moving you? One of the things that Jim loves to do when he's counseling people that are, he told me this this week as we were dis- discussing this message, um, who are getting ready to get married, he'll throw a piece of paper at the uh, guy who's getting married, the, the groom, and he'll say, he'll hit the target. And of course, the guy says, I don't know where to throw, what target? And, and Jim then makes a point that, yeah, that's right. A lot of us don't know sort of what, we don't have any goals for our marriages. We don't have any places that we're trying to go. And so we don't have any goals. If we don't have any targets, of course we're gonna miss them because we don't have anything that we're going after. The first thing we have to do is sort of figure out what's the end goal. You know, where is it that God has been moving in your life the last couple of months? Where is it that he has moved? And you said, this year, 2015, when it comes, the end of this year, I will be a different person than who I am today. You gotta figure out what that goal is. And a lot of you guys probably know that. You need to get that in your mind. The second thing you gotta do is you gotta, you gotta figure out your starting place. You gotta be honest about where you're at, okay? 
you got to figure out the starting point. And so you take your piece of paper, and on one side you got your starting point, where you're at. And on the other side, you take your, your ending place, kind of where you want to be. And then from there, you begin to build these steps. What's it going to take to get from here to there? And so you got step one. You figure out what that action step is. And then you can probably figure it out. You got step two and three. Where, where do you need to go to get to here? Because a lot of us, we walk out of here on a Sunday and we say, God, this is what I want. And we're praying and we're sincere and we're saying, God, this is what I want for my family. This is what I want for my relationships. This is what I want for work. And we have these goals and these dreams. And then we walk out of here and just kind of think it's going to happen. And instead of saying, okay, what are the actual steps to make it happen? What are the steps that it's going to take? If, if, I, if God is working in your area of your life, let's say you, you want to have a, a healthy marriage, okay? A happy, healthy marriage. And you're here, let's say that the starting point for you is that you're a single dude with a lot of bad habits, all right? And so you got to figure out how are you going to get to being, having a happy, healthy marriage from being a single dude with a lot of bad habits, okay? For a lot of single guys, step number one is very simple, shave, right? Shave. There's a lot of girls out there that just want to say something to you, and I'll say it for them. November was over a long time ago. No shave November. It's over, right? You don't look rugged. You look ugly, all right? And, and so shaves. So that's step number one, okay? And then you figure out what the rest of your steps are. I'm just hating on the guys with beards because I can't grow one, okay? So, so I'll, just, I'll just be honest. Um, step number one, you, you figure out what is it? It's not meet a girl, that's not step number one. No, no, that's like step three. Step one is you need to get a hold of your life, right? Who's gonna wanna marry you if you can't control your life? You don't, it's not responsible, right? You don't have a plan, you don't have a budget, you don't live on purpose, you don't live with disciplines, you don't live with any intentionality. That's step number one. Then you figure out step two, then step three, yeah, then you gotta meet a girl. But that comes back here. You gotta figure out the steps that are gonna take you to where you wanna go. Let's say that you have this goal. God's been moving in your life for the last couple of weeks or months, and you have this goal to, to get a hold of your financial situation. You want to be living where, where God wants you to be, and so you got that goal right there. I was talking to someone this, this week who, who wants to pay off their student debts, and, and they, this past year in 2000, uh, what year are we in, 14, 13? 14, 13, in 2013, they were able to pay down 15,000 bucks off of their debts because they had been saving, living differently. And so they figured out at the beginning of the year what step one was. It was cut some stuff out of their lives that they really didn't need, right? And then step two was they were gonna change the way they spent kind of going forward, maybe sell some stuff. Step three was kind of cut down that debt so they could get to where they wanted to go. You gotta be honest about the action steps that it's gonna take to get wherever it is that you wanna go. And so whatever your goals are, you gotta put them there. You gotta write the steps down. Action steps are really important and here's what they must be. Just a couple of words to describe these action steps. First, they must be practical, okay? Then they must be measurable. They must be attainable. And they must be based on your performance, not your outcome. That's good stuff to write down right there. Practical, measurable, attainable, and based on your performance and not your outcome. Here's what I mean by some of those words. Let me describe those for you. They must be practical, okay? So that's where I say shaving. That's a practical step, right? Um, for... For a person who wants to pray more, maybe, maybe your goal is God says, he's been telling you, I want you to be a prayer warrior at Grace Community Church. 
I want you to, to, to be one of the people who's just pounding the gates of heaven on behalf of that ministry there, okay? And so he wants you to be a prayer warrior. But what is a practical step? Step number one is not, I need to pray more. That's not practical. What does that look like? What do you mean you gotta pray more? Now, step one, a practical step would be, I'm gonna set my alarm 15 minutes earlier than I normally do. That's step one. Step two is I'm gonna write down a list of the things I wanna pray about. I'm just gonna write them down. And then step three might be, I'm gonna pray through that list. And when my time is up, I'll just kind of pause there. And the next day when I have my prayer time, I'll start there and I'll kind of keep going through my list. And when I get to the front of it, I'll start over again. That, those are practical steps to being a prayer warrior, right? So you gotta set the practical steps. It's gotta be practical. Then it's gotta be measurable. What do I mean by that? It's gotta be something that you can know if you actually did, right? And so I can look at my life in this example I just gave you and I can say, I haven't been getting up 15 minutes early. I gotta get back to step one. Or, okay, I've been getting up, but uh, I've really not, I've, I don't know what I'm praying about. I just kind of sit there and I just sort of fall back asleep. All right, so I don't have a plan once I get there. Maybe you need to pick a chair in the house that you're gonna sit at to do it, right? These are the practical steps that you kind of pick. It's gotta be something that's measurable so you can see if you've really done it or not. And then it's gotta be something that's attainable. Let's say your, your goal is to get physically fit. You wanna be the healthiest that you can be for Jesus Christ, whatever that looks like, and we're all different in that area. But let's say that you wanna be there. And so it has to be something that's attainable though. You're not gonna go from where you are right now, starting point, to maybe being in the next Winter Olympics in four years, all right? That's probably not attainable. So let's set something up. I remember, I remember last, last, uh, uh, one of the last chapters when I was a squad leader in Fight Club, one of my guys hadn't been doing exercises forever. And uh, he's like, John, it was the first week. He's like, here's what I'm doing, man. I'm doing the push-ups and the sit-ups. I'm running and I'm going to the gym and I'm lifting and it's gonna be awesome, man. At the end of 12 weeks, and I'm like, you are never gonna keep that up. That is not gonna happen. And like two weeks later, he was gone because it wasn't attainable. You gotta set goals that are gonna actually happen, okay? Attainable goals. And then based on your performance and not your outcome. And here's what I mean by that. You and I can't create life change. Only God can do that. And so we leave the end goal up to God, right? We can't, we can't do that. If you're the, uh, you're the person who's, who was really moved last week and says, man, God, I just want something different from my relationship with my kids. I want something different with my relationship with my husband or my wife. You create the steps that you're gonna take to get towards that outcome. But listen, you can't change your spouse. You, they have some control over the end goal, don't they? Your kids have some control over the end goal. And so what you're gonna do, though, is you're gonna do steps one, two, and three. You're gonna leave that up to God. But I guarantee you that if you start taking steps one, two, and three, I can't guarantee you you'll see change in their heart, but you will see change in your heart, right? And I can't guarantee you that at the end of four years, you're gonna be an Olympic athlete, but I can guarantee you, if you follow steps one, two, and three, maybe, you know, we're going back to physical health. It's, it's I'm gonna walk, you know, 30 minutes, three times a week or something. You're gonna see change in your heart. You're gonna say, I can do this. I can be healthier, right? It's practical. Maybe, maybe you're someone who eats fast food every day. You're gonna say, I'm gonna do it once a week. It's a practical goal that you're gonna set. And then from there, you're gonna keep going. Guys, these things are so critical to people who, who, uh, who successfully uh, see life change happen in their lives. Good intentions do not bring about change. The wise builder sets the right plan. The wise builder is first a wise planner. That's really critical. The second thing the wise builder did in, in this scripture text that Jesus tells us, he executes his plan. The wise builder executes his plan. Because what good is a great plan if we don't follow through on it? And so the wise builder executes it. 
Jesus was a double expert. When he tells this story, he's a double expert because not only did he know everything about scripture, I mean, holy cow, he wrote it, right? And so he was a great Bible teacher, but he was also an expert builder. He had been trained to be a carpenter. And so he, had, he knew what it was to build homes. And those people there who were listening to him teach, they probably knew George who had built a house in the sand two summers ago and they all saw it kind of wash away. They sort of knew that stuff. They, they got that. Jesus, though, he was an expert. He knew what it was like to lay out a blueprint because his father Joseph had taught him. He knew what it was like to lay out a blueprint and then actually execute it and see it come to be and finish a house, finish a product. He knew what it was like to do that. And so is the wise builder in this scripture because not only does he have the right plan, he does his research. Uh, the, the parallel passage here from Matthew 7 is Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49. And in that, Jesus, the detail that, that Luke writes down is that Jesus says he dug down deep into the rock. And so he had done the research and then he actually executed the plan. He followed through on what it was to build the, the plan that uh, he came up with. And so what are we gonna do to make sure that we execute on the plan that God gives us? How are we gonna make sure that we follow these steps? Well, here's what I would suggest that you do. One is really important is to write it down. Man, I've had so many great ideas in my life, like in the shower or driving somewhere or you know, when I'm laying in bed. But if I never get up and quick write it down, it's just an idea. You gotta write these things down. You wanna see life change happen in your life? You gotta make a plan. It's not just a plan up here because it's really hard to see how am I doing. But you write it down. And the second thing you do is you share it with other people. You share it with other people. You get a group of people that are gonna encourage you, gonna say you can do it. You get people behind you. You get people that are praying for you. People are gonna hold you accountable. That might be your squad. That might be your, your uh, small group. That might be your accountability partner. But you got people that are coming alongside and are excited about you wanting to, to become a better person and are gonna help you to do that. That is really important that you do that. When I'm counseling couples to get them ready for marriage, I did that this week. I was, I was meeting with a couple and, and we were talking about communication. And one of the things that I'll have them do is after we talk about communication and some principles that they can use in their marriage, I'll say, before you come back next time, I want you to write down what I'm gonna call rules for fighting. Because everybody argues, every couple argues. If you don't, it's not healthy. And so you're gonna disagree, you're gonna have conflict, but we're gonna have rules. We're gonna do it the right way. And we're going to do it in a way that really gets to the point and, and gets you know, across and we communicate with each other. And so I have them create rules for fighting. And then I say, I want you to type it up. I want you to put it on a really pretty piece of paper. And I want you to put it in a frame. And I want you to hang it in your bedroom. And that way you'll see it all the time. And you'll always be reminded, man, I'm not doing this. Man, I'm not doing this. Man, I got to change this. And so it's something that wasn't just, man, you remember that stuff John talked to us about, you know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago? Man, that'd be so great right now. No, it's right there. It's written down. If you don't write it down, you're usually not going to remember or follow through. And, and so that's, that's something. I remember walking into Rich and Carol's house, you know, uh, probably about nine years ago when I started here at Grace. And, and I remember walking in. One of the first things I noticed was right on their living room wall was their family goals. And I'm talking about Pastor Rich, by the way. Pastor Rich, they have their family goals right there on their wall. And so they knew what they were working on that year. They knew what they wanted to see God do. And, and so did all their friends and family. And so you better believe I was asking Rich sometimes, hey man, how you doing on, you know, A, B, or C or whatever? You know, because I, I wanted to encourage them because I wanted to see them reach those goals. You write them down, you share them with people that are gonna encourage, encourage, uh, encourage you in a positive way to reach them. And you will see a lot more success. Science shows that you'll be a bazillion times more successful if you do that. There's no research that says anything about a bazillion times. That was, a, that was supposed to be funny. 
Listen, a lot of us in our lives, we know the right things to do. We just don't act on them. We just don't take the steps. And a lot of us in our lives are heading towards a sign that looks like this, danger ahead. And we're acting as if the decisions that we make today do not affect tomorrow. They do not affect the path that we are on. And I want to tell you and be someone who just holds up the sign and says, it does, and they do. Your decisions affect where you will be a year from now. Your decisions affect where you will be 10 years from now. I'll never forget uh, uh, one of the first messages I ever heard Jim give on health. It was probably like nine years ago. And, and uh, he said like this, something like this. The person or the way that you treat your body today is who you will be in 10 years. The way you treat your body today is how healthy you'll be in 10 years. That's what it was. And I've never forgotten that. I mean, that pushes me and drives me to, to try to be physically fit, to exercise, to eat, you know, not as bad as I used to eat. Not great, but not as bad. Because I, w- I, I want to be healthy in 10 years. Because I, I want to give my kids the best that I can give them in 10 years. I want to give my wife the best that I can give her in 10 years. And, and so I'm not going to let my poor decisions today jeopardize my potential future. Guys, a lot of us are going down a road that has danger and we're not following the path or or we're on the path and we sort of know it, but we're just walking towards it if it's not gonna really happen, as if we're not gonna fall off the edge. And a lot of you guys in the decisions that you're making, yes, yes, I want to be a godly couple, you guys that are single and are dating. I want to make Jesus the center of my life, but you're walking towards a dangerous road because you don't have boundaries in place in your relationship so that you don't become unhealthy you're not spending all your time together or, or you're not becoming unhealthy in, in your physical uh, affection for each other because you don't have boundaries in place. And if you don't put those in place and you kind of just go down this road as if, it's not, as if you know, there's not being any consequences at all, you're, you're just fooling yourself. There's a warning side ahead. And I could kind of use illustration after illustration of the roads and the choices that we take. And at the end of those destinations, there is danger and we're acting as if it's not really there. If there's going to be change, there must be actions. The wise builder executes his plan. You must follow through or you will be the same place you are next year. Every time you talk yourself out of exercising, you talk yourself out of a preferred future. Every time you light up a cigarette, every time you lie to your spouse, every time you spend money that you don't have, you act as if today is not connected to tomorrow, but you are heading to a danger zone. If there's going to be change, there must be actions. Uh, You must do something. Seeing it, feeling it, agreeing with it, thinking about it, that's not enough. Andy Stanley writes in in one of his books, you're going to need to make a phone call. You're going to have to have an awkward conversation with a friend. You need to cut up some credit cards. You're going to have to change your phone number. You're going to need to break up, move out, find a new circle of friends. You're going to have to cut back on your traveling. Set your alarm clock 20 minutes earlier or set your alarm clock on Sunday mornings. You need to maybe empty your liquor cabinet, take your family on a vacation, make an appointment with the counselor, sell your house, cancel your internet, change your jobs, sell the TV, or maybe all the above. But the point is that he's making is you're gonna have to do something because good intentions don't bring about change. You need to do something. You gotta have an action plan that you're, that you're writing it down. You're giving it to other people. They're holding you accountable so that you are gonna see change come in your life where I guarantee you, even though you signed your name, you will be the same exact person 
one year from now. Sign your name doesn't do anything. It's the action steps that you take that God will then begin to move in your life. And the third thing that a wise builder does, he makes the right plan. He executes the right plan. And the third thing he does is he gets to enjoy the peace of a well-built life. He gets to enjoy the peace. The same storm hit both people. The same storm came across and hit both houses, right? The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew, both times. And what happened to the second person? Look at the end of verse 27. It beat against that house. And my version says, it fell with a great crash. Another version says the destruction was complete. His life was a mess. It was gone. And while he's doing that, the wise man is simply watching the storm in the background through his window, sipping on iced tea, watching curling and other incredibly compelling Winter Olympic events that we only watch every four years, but we think we need to watch them because they're so exciting. How many of you guys watch curling and think, I could do that? I could do that. I could be an Olympic athlete. I could do that, right? That's what the wise builders do. And he's sitting there thinking, four years, I could probably get pretty good at that. And, and, and the foolish builder doesn't have a house anymore. See, the wise builder gets to enjoy the peace of a life well built. Now, I said this earlier. Listen, we, we're not in charge of the end goal. This is where God comes in. We, we figure out where we're at. We determine the steps. God, I mean, God leads us in it, but we plan the steps. We're the ones who follow through. And then we see what God's gonna do in our lives. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how he'll change your heart. It's amazing what he can do. You begin to get a hold of your finances and you take some serious steps to do something about your finances instead of just wishing. You take some serious steps. You'll be amazed at where God will come through. And we'll all of a sudden just change something. He does that. He's in charge of the end goal, though. He's the one that does that. But we get to have the, the peace of a life well built. Even if we don't quite reach our end goal, because I'm certainly not at my end goals, and you're not either, right? We're not there. We're not the person God wants to be totally. But we're kind of on these steps, living here, kind of m- making our goals happen and kind of working towards this. gives us an incredible peace when we do it. An incredible peace that we know we're, we're where God wants us to be. Life changes up to Jesus, but he teaches us that we have to do something. We have action steps to take. He says that in Luke 6, in the beginning of the story, he says, why do you call me Lord if you won't do what I say? In other words, it takes you doing something to see these changes come about. So Jesus does not teach the approach to sit back and just trust him. I've heard someone say this before. I feel like God, they said this one time in a group that I was in. I feel like God wants me to be physically healthier but I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna diet. I'm not gonna exercise because I'm just gonna trust God. Maybe that sounds holy to you. I think Jesus would say, that's crazy. That's not holy. Lord, as I eat this potato chip, Lord, I believe because you changed water into wine that you can turn this into a carrot as it goes down my throat. And it will give me the health that I need to live for you. I believe it in your name, Jesus. Amen. That's crazy. 
but that's what we do. God, this is who I want to be. Now I'm going to take these steps on this path towards this, but, but I want you just to get me over here. Listen, people, that is testing God. That's a dangerous place to be. To walk towards the danger side and say, God, what's happening to my life? Why, why aren't you here? Where are you? And all the while, we're walking towards the danger. And he's saying, I'm over here. Go this way, and I'll bless you. I'll work with you. A wise builder gets to enjoy the peace of a life well built. Listen, it all comes back to our decisions, right? What are the decisions that we're making? Because the decisions that we make, right, will put us on a particular direction, and that particular direction that we're walking down has a predictable outcome. God will move, God will bless, God will work if we do things his way. Part of being a wise builder, though, is enjoying the peace of a life well built on Christ. And we don't get it right all the time. Man, God's got tons of grace. Oh, my goodness. He's been so gracious in my life and in your life, and I'm so glad that he is, but... But if we want to work with them, that's what we have to do, work with them. Let me ask you guys a couple of questions as we sort of close today. If it helps you to close your eyes and really think and listen, go ahead and do that. I'm not quite praying yet, but I want you to think about these questions. I want you to reflect on these things, okay? Are there any disconnects between what God desires, maybe what you desire in your heart, you know, what you and God, what your goals are? Are there any disconnects between what God desires for you in your heart and what you are actually doing with your life. In other words, you see the goals that God has for you. Are you actually doing things that are reaching towards those goals? Or are you doing the opposite or kind of going a different direction? Let me ask this question. If someone in your circumstances came to you for advice, if someone who was living your life came to you for advice, what course of action would you recommend for them? Will you follow your own advice? That's a good question. This week, I want to encourage you guys to take time, pull away, write down what are your end goals. Write them down. Figure out where your starting point is, where you're at right now. Be honest. And then write down the steps. Make them practical. Make them measurable. Make them attainable. Base your success on your actions, not your outcome. Write down those steps and, and then begin to share those with someone else, with a few people, people who you know are gonna hold you accountable and are gonna encourage you, build you up. See, every road is a destination. If you leave Grace today and, and you want to go to Elkhart and you turn right on County Road 21 and go south, will you ever get to Elkhart? You won't, will you? Because every road has a specific destination. No matter how much you want to go to Elkhart, no matter how much you believe that road will take you to Elkhart, and how much you're trusting God to get you to Elkhart. If you go south on County Road 21, you'll never get there. Where are you doing that in your life? Lord Jesus, we come to you because these are tough things. It's a simple plan, 
Lord, it sure is hard to follow through. God, our prayer for, for our church, Lord, this year is that we wouldn't be the same in 2015 as we are right now. And God, I know that, that you have been stirring and moving in my heart, and stirring and moving in the hearts of many in our church. And Lord, you have surfaced areas that need change. Lord, you've put out great goals, great, great dreams and visions of what might be. And Lord, only you can make those things happen. But God, you have equipped us, you have taught us and trained us to take the steps that we can take. So Lord, that's my challenge for today, for your people. Lord, that, uh, that this would be a year where we take ground from the enemy. Where we move forward, where you're asking us to move forward. Lord, I pray that this is a year that, that our love for you is greater than our love for our sin. This is the year, Lord, where, where our trust in you is greater than our fear. Lord, this is the year where, where, our, where our submission to you is greater than our bad attitude. God, that was one I need to learn. God, I pray that this would be the year where we take steps to move us towards being that you have called us to be as we prepare, Lord, to meet you one day. Lord, you are preparing your bride, your church, so that you will present us to your Father, spotless and without any blemish, your scripture says in Revelation. So God, that is what we are heading towards. With your help, in Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.